Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. How is everybody doing? That was kind of a lame response. Anyway, I know when I'm up here before I preach, you might see me. I look like... I'm in the zone. I look like I'm, I'm praying hard and I'm, and I'm, and I'm focused and this word's going to be good, you might think, but I'm really over there thinking, you have a half hour, Dylan. You have a half hour, not more. It's not an hour-long Netflix special. You have a half hour, not more. So I have to remind myself, this is in Africa. Like, I cannot preach for an hour and a half, whatever I preached for last time I was in Malawi. I can't do that this time. So let's dive right into the word of God. I just wanted to introduce myself. If I haven't met you, my name is Dylan. I am on the leadership team here. Uh, our pastor, Pastor Jared, is not in town today. He's actually out in Toronto with his wife just taking a, a much-needed vacation. And uh, we just really send our love to them and our, our prayers with them and honor them. Really thankful today that he's given me, you know, shared his platform with me. And that really just shows it, the trust that he has in me. So just, you know, I know that they'll listen on the podcast later. So thank you, Pastor Jared and Pastor Heath, for all that you do for us as a leadership team and all that you have done for me as well. Today, I just, I, I feel like I have a message on my heart that has just been burning. I feel like every time I'm ready to preach, I can't really sit there any longer. I know that the announcements are necessary, but I, can't we just, let's get through them. Because I have a word that is burning on my heart and I need to get it out. And the title of this message is, as you can see, is Faith Is. Kind of a cliffhanger, dot, dot, dot. Faith is, and I want to talk about a couple of different aspects of what faith is. Faith can be kind of a, an obscure thing. You know, we hear the word faith a lot, even not within the Christian context, but just in the world, you'll hear the word faith. People putting faith in certain things, or they have faith in themselves, or faith in others. Some people have faith in God. Some people have faith in other gods. So it's an interesting concept, faith. And I wanted to talk today about what the Word of God says that faith is, and what Jesus says that faith is. And, uh, you know, the Bible says faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And that, that word spoke to me, especially that, that second part, the conviction of things not seen. I was thinking about that scripture when I read that. The conviction of things not seen. It kind of made me think about Martin Luther King Jr. As we all probably, I would hope, know Martin Luther King Jr., you know, a great civil rights leader in the, in the, in the 1960s. And, and I, let's face it, even I myself would not be here with my mixed bloodline if it was not for, you know, the dream that God has put on Martin Luther King Jr.'s heart. And, and you know, well-respected man. And I, and I think about his famous speech where he says, I have a dream. And I think about that. And I was really thinking about that last night. I was thinking, what can I, you know, an illustration that kind of just makes me think of faith. And I think, I kept thinking, you know, that the Holy Spirit was pointing out that I have a dream, that statement, I have a dream. And it's, and, and it's amazing is that, that Martin Luther King Jr. Was, was dreaming of, you know, talks about dreaming of this, this world, you know, this country where, where black people and white people can live together in harmony, where we could use the same water fountains, where we could use the same bathrooms, where we can, you know, be one people, be together. And, and in the 1960s or 50s and all the time leading up to this, obviously that is not the case. You know, it's very segregated. Segregation was very much a real thing at this time. And the people are separated. So, so it struck me, Martin Luther King Jr. has a dream, and he is seeing something before it takes place. He's seeing a world where this is already happening. You know, he talks about this dream where I can see 
people already, blacks and whites, married to each other, my kids playing with little white kids. He can begin to see it, even though if you look around in the physical world, what was going on at the time, there's no way that you would see that. You could not see it. But, can, you know, I thought that kind of reminds me, faith is the conviction of things not seen. But you think somebody has to see it. And that's why I, faith is vision. You see, actually, Jesus kind of talks about this as well. In, uh, in Mark 5, chapter 5, verse 35 to 42, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and follow along. It says, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, and uh, let me give you a little context first. There's someone, there is a mother and a father that has asked Jesus now, well, can you come to our house and lay hands upon our little girl? She is sick. She is dying. And this is what takes place after. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the leader any further? So what has happened now is the little girl that was dying, they wanted Jesus to come pray for her. Now she really is dead. She has, she's died, you know, her, and, and it is over. So these people are from the synagogue are saying, but, and Jesus, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James, John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother, those who were with them, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, she said to Lita Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl gets up and begins walking. And I think about this, what, what, what Jesus says, his remark, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. I think there's people in this room now that are weeping, that are mourning. You know, they know that the girl is dead. It's common sense that the girl has passed away. And everyone can see this. But here's Jesus in the place, and it's like he is not seeing the same thing that the people are seeing. It just struck me that Jesus is looking at this situation through a certain lens, and he's looking at it through a lens of faith. He's saying, no, 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 the little girl is not dead, but, it, but she's only sleeping. Jesus has common sense. He is a man. He knows that the girl has died. But he also knows that his father in heaven can do anything he wants, and that if he wants to bring someone back from the dead, he very much can do so. So Jesus has this conviction already. He knows that the little girl is dead, but he sees it through a lens of faith. It is like he is already seeing it before it takes place. And you see there was a lot of uh, uh, doubters around him as well. It says they laughed at him. And I, I love what Jesus does, and he takes the doubters and he puts them outside. If you're not going to agree with me in faith and you're not going to have faith, just get out of the way. Then you know, get a lot of people. If you want to have faith, you have a dream God has given you, you know, something in your heart that He has spoken to you and you have faith for it. But there will be a lot of people that don't like faith. A lot of people don't like when someone is built up in faith and it, you know, it, and it stirs them the wrong way and you start to speak dreams that are on your heart. We kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago and Jared was talking about Joseph and his dreams. People don't always like when you have a dream and a vision, when you can see something that they can't see. Sometimes people don't really like that and people will try, but Jesus takes these doubters and he puts them outside. I love what he does there. And he begins to look at this situation through the lens of faith. Faith is vision. You know something? Faith honors God. God honors faith. I felt the Holy Spirit just, just, just tell me that when I was preparing this message. You know, God, faith honors me. 
and I honor faith. So many times in the Bible, Jesus honors faith. He loves faith. He loves radical faith. He loves steps of faith. He loves words of faith. And I, and I, and I see a, a similar thing take place if you are familiar with the story of King David when he is going up against Goliath. You know, we all kind of hear the story. We've heard it as little kids, but sometimes that can take away from some of the power from it. You know, when we've heard it so many times, it becomes more like a fairy tale than the word of God. But it's still the word of God, the David and Goliath story. There's still things in there that are elementary but are very important. And I think the faith King David has to me really stands out. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26, I actually have it up there. It says, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine, removes this degree from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I love when David says this, because now I'm going to give you the setting. He is walking. He's really not supposed to be there. His, his father sends him to go bring food to the real soldiers, which are his brothers and the rest of the his Jewish army. And he goes to bring, you know, bread and supplies to them. And, and he sees what is happening. And the picture that he sees is Israel shaking in their boots because there is this eight-foot-tall Philistine giant now. And Israel is in war with, with Philistine at this time. And there is animosity between the two. And they are, you know, he wants to fight someone from the Israel army. But everyone in Israel is shaking, saying, we can't beat this guy. We can't fight this guy. He's too strong. He's a skilled warrior. We can't do it. Every excuse in the book why they can't go out and fight them. But there's something to remember here. And David seems to be the only one that remembers it. And David starts to look at the situation kind of like Jesus did through the lens of faith. He begins to look at the situation according to the conviction of the word of God. You see, Philistine was not under the protection. They were not under the hedge and the promises that Israel had. They were not under the covenant. You see, Abraham, the father of our faith, made a covenant with God, and it made Israel a holy nation. Israel belonged to God. Israel was God's people, and the Philistines were not. There was not a hedge of protection on this giant. Yes, he was big. Yes, he was strong. Yes, he was a skilled fighter. Yes, by nature, he could beat any one of those Jewish soldiers. Yes, by nature, in the physical, of course. But David wasn't thinking that way. He was looking at the situation through a lens of faith. And it all came because of the word of God. God said, I have chosen this nation. You are my nation. And, I, and he knows that. He says, who is this Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine, this Philistine who the promises do not belong to, this man that is not one of us, that is not one of God's people, that he should defy the armies of the living God. See, God was on Israel's side. So now he begins to look at it through the lens of faith. When everyone else is looking at a giant in their way, he is looking at remembering, no, 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 no. God is on the side of Israel. God is with me. In fact, I'll go out there with no armor on. In fact, I'll go out there with just a rock and a slingshot. In fact, I don't really need a weapon because I know that the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham is on our side. The covenant is with us and we have him on our side. We can't lose. He is looking at the lens different. How do you get that lens? You put on the glasses by being sticking to the word of God, reading the word of God. When you know the word of God, you can start to look at situations differently. You can start to look at a blind person that cannot see it, but you can see. No, 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 no. Jesus says they can see. You can look at a person who's deaf, but no, no, no. Jesus says that they can hear. 
You see, you can look at a situation, I don't have enough money, but no, no, Jesus promised that I will be prosperous, that I will have prosperity, that I will not be poor. I am not called to be poor. You see, Jesus has, has the word of God is our conviction. That is how we put on the faith lens. And you see, something that David is doing that is really important is what is he doing out there? David seems a little bit cocky when he's out there. I, every time I read this story, I, I, I love what David is doing. He seems like almost full of himself in a way. He seems like, yeah, I got this. And everyone else is like, what in the world are you doing? You know, he seems like not only is he not afraid of the giant, he's doing this with an attitude. He's doing this with a swagger. He feels like, no, who is this man to defy the armies of the living God? Tell me. He says, what do I get if I beat him? That's all he cared about. And, you know, he's like, what do I get if I win? Like, were you crazy? What, did you not, do you not see him? David is doing this. He, he is speaking these things out. He starts to say, no, no, no. And in fact, he was, a, he was a shepherd at the time. And he starts to talk about stories from the shepherd days. He says, no, no, no. You know, I've been tending sheep for a while. No, I haven't fought in any battles. But what I did do is I, when a bear came and took the sheep, I struck that bear down, delivered it. When a lion came and took the sheep, I struck that lion. And in the same way, I will strike down this Philistine. In the same way, I will strike him down and I will cut off his head. I love when the Bible gets a little bit violent. It gets us uncomfortable. We need to be uncomfortable. I love that. What is he doing? He's speaking faith. You see, faith is not only in your heart, but it's on your tongue. This part. We're going to be on this part for a minute. It's on your tongue. You see, we have a choice. We can be releasers of faith, or we can be releasers of death. In Proverbs, it says that the tongue holds the power of life and death. In fact, Jesus also teaches the same thing. This verse really changed my life. It really actually, it's so elementary, but it really changed my perception of life, of ministry, of following Jesus. It changed the way I, I acted and thought. This verse was huge. It says, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself in the ocean, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he is saying, believes that what he is saying, believes that what he is saying will come to pass, then it will be done for him. Jesus is teaching his disciples something here. He is saying, no, 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 no. There is power on your tongue. Think about it. When I read, I was reading Genesis recently and, and something stuck out to me how did God create he created with his words he said let there be light and there was light he said let there be man and there was man let there be creatures there was creatures walking there he said let there be these things and then it was God was releasing faith into the atmosphere he created us with his words god is a creator god how does he create he creates with his tongue with his words he speaks and then it is and jesus says that he has given us authority that he has put that spirit the same spirit that he was creating the earth with the universe with that he's put it inside of us and made us his temple now that is inside of me so when i am speaking god's word that you know what's something that stuck out to me actually an evangelist reinhard bonke made made this this comment and it really hit me hard too he says there was a moment in my life when I realized and it sounds crazy but God's word on my tongue is just as powerful as God's word on his tongue why because Jesus says in the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God and I know that's hard to to understand but stick with me if he is the word and word is him they are together 
then he is living in me. His word is in me. I can speak his word and things start to happen. Things start to break in the atmosphere. I can speak things out. And in the same way, we can speak negativity out. It says that the tongue holds the power of life and death. I can speak faith. I can release joy. I can release happiness. I can release, you know, prosperity. I can be released. And I'm not talking about, you know, name and claim, religious TV, phony stuff. No, I'm talking about the word of God. When God releases something out, that word has to come to pass. Jesus is saying, no, no, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to speak faith. I want you to release joy. You are a releaser of miracles. And in the same way, you can release death. You can criticize people at every turn. You can slander people behind their backs. You can, you can speak that into your life, something that I, I did a lot growing up. And something stuck out to me when I was preparing this as well. I remember I was, I was in India with one of my sp- you know, spiritual fathers in the faith. We were, we were, we were swimming in Delhi you know, after a long trip. We were just relaxing, and we were trying to have a race in the pool and he's saying, all right, let's race from that end to this end. But you have to start diving. And I was like, uh, I never learned how to dive. I can't dive. Since then, I've learned how to dive. Don't worry. But I never really tried or did it before. So automatically, I just spoke, I can't. And he says, and, he, and he, this is something, he probably doesn't even remember this, but it changed my life. He probably doesn't even know. But sometimes the little things people say, the Holy Spirit is in them, and it just clicks. When he said, you know, you say I can't a lot. You said earlier you want, to, you want to preach, you want to lead multitudes to Jesus, you want to preach before the multitudes, but here's your first task. He said, stop saying I can't. Start saying I can. If I don't know how, I will learn. I will try. There's a power in that. And it's, this is not just positivity, you know, have a positive attitude and good vibe. No, 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 no. This is the word of God. If I'm a releaser of faith, if I'm a releaser of, of miracles, then, then, then how is any of that supposed to happen if I don't release it? But in the same way, I'm a releaser of death. I could be a releaser of negativity. I could be a releaser of what kills. And I'm spewing that into my life. I can hold myself back from a breakthrough. I can hold myself back from getting the miracle that I've been waiting for, from receiving that, that thing I've been asking God for because every day I pray for it, but then I go throughout the rest of the day saying, oh, it's just not going to happen. He's not going to do it. He doesn't hear me. Oh, I, I don't know. No, 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 no. You need to be able to continue to agree with the word of God. You need to declare the word of God. You need to release the miraculous. We have the ability to do that. And one of the Times that, that God showed this as well in the Old Testament. One of his prophets, Ezekiel, he is telling Ezekiel brings them to the valley of dry bones where everything is, is you know, dead. There is a valley of soldiers that had fallen. They were all gone at this point, just nothing but skeletons. And he says to prophesy to this valley of dry bones. He says to speak my word over this death. I want you to, Ezekiel, I want you to speak life into death. How many of you know we can speak life into death? I've seen this. I've seen this. You know, I've seen this in other parts of the world. I've seen it here. We can speak life into death. We can prophesy God's word into our life, into our situation. Don't hold yourself down by speaking, I can't do it. I always get sick. I always get the flu around this time of the year. I always get just, just little things. We don't even realize we do it constantly. And I was the biggest culprit of this in the world. I would always just so easy to be negative. 
But then I remember, no, 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 Jesus says, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he is saying will be done for him, then it will come to pass. I have to put my, I have to put my flesh in order sometimes because the flesh wants to complain, doesn't want to agree with the word of God. You know, see, God, you know, faith, faith is, is, is action as well. Faith is, 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 is action. What does that mean, faith is action? I think of a story in the gospel where Jesus is at his house, you know, and, he, and, he is, and he's pretty much just trying to hang out for the day. He's been doing ministry all day, but all of these people follow him back to his house. You know, all of these people want healings. They want miracles. They want touch from Jesus. They are piling up as often happened to Jesus. They are all around him outside trying to get in. And you see behind all of this big crowd is these, these four men. And actually, this, this story is such a touching story, and it's such, a, such an amazing example of faith because I, I, it's one of my favorites. They have this man with them that is their friend, and he's paralyzed. He can't walk. You know, and, and, and they are, they're carrying him, all four of them. They're carrying him, trying to get him to Jesus. But the crowd is too big. They can't get through. They're carrying their friend, and they, they can't really fight their way through. And, and, and they finally fight their way close to the front. They can't get in the door because there's people everywhere. So what do they do? They get up on the roof. They start to take apart Jesus' roof of his house. They go, oh, this is not good. Don't take apart Jesus' house. Don't do that. That's probably not a good idea. They take it apart, and they lower their friend in to the house through the roof. You think, well, Jesus might, might be upset by that. But no, I, Jesus loves that. He loved their faith. He loved what he saw in them. He loved it. Well, think about all of the people whose faith that he honored, that he, the woman who was bleeding for 12 years in the gospel fights her way through the crowd, says, I need to get a touch of the hem of his garment. I need to touch him. These men had a friend that was paralyzed, and something that fueled them was desperation. They were desperate, and desperation awfully, often drives us to a place where we fear God. We start to see God as the only hope, think, oh, the only thing that can change this physical circumstance now is a God. And if God can do it, he's the only one that can do it. You come into a fear of God, a recognition of his holiness and his power and his sanctity, and you start to realize God is the only one that can help me, and it begins to stir up faith. And then faith turns into action. Faith has to turn into action. You speak faith, and then you release faith, and sometimes you need to act in faith. So many of our heroes in the Bible had to do something. You know, there was a common, common term that where people will say, I'm waiting on the Lord. But what they don't realize is the Hebrew translation of the word wait, it actually means to expect. So it's okay to be in a season where you're waiting on the Lord, but it doesn't mean that you have to be perfectly still. Sometimes you need to walk. Sometimes you have to kick a couple doors open. Sometimes you have to take your paralyzed friend and carry him to the roof of Jesus' house. And you need to take apart the roof and lower him in. And Jesus will say, what faith you have. Does it make sense all the time theologically to us? No. We can't use logic all the time. We have to sometimes say, you know what? I have a desperate faith. And today I want to reach out and I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. Today I'm going to take apart his roof if I have to. And I'm going to let him, my paralyzed friend, through the roof. I've got to do something. Desperation stirs faith. It stirs faith. And then you release it. You speak it. And when that's not off, sometimes you need to act in faith. Sometimes God promises you something and then he doesn't open the door. What do you mean? Well, think about Israel and the land of Canaan. 
Israel promised a land flowing with milk and honey to Israel, his people. It was a land of prosperity. It was a land that was good, had everything that they needed in it. And he said, it's yours. Every place you put the sole of your feet, it will become your land. It's yours. Have it. But when they finally get there after 400 years of slavery, 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they get there, and guess what? It's occupied. There's enemies in there. There's people living there. There's people already there that want to fight them and say, who do you think you are? You're going to come here and take this from us? Now Israel has to do something. Now they have to take action. Sometimes God promises us something, and the door doesn't open. We say, well, God, it didn't open the door. We don't want to be people that, that 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 sometimes God opens doors. He does. But we don't want to be a people that's just waiting on doors to open all the time. Sometimes we need to be people that kick doors open. Sometimes we have to say, no, I know that God promised me this. I'm kicking this door open. I'm taking the land that he said was mine. He said this was mine. He said this healing was mine. He said, by my my wounds, you are healed. He said, you are not poor. I will make you abound in prosperity if you obey me. I'm taking hold of financial security. I do it all the time. For me and my wife, my family, I declare over we will not be poor we will have money we will have enough I won't speak negativity over my bank account I declare that it will grow in Jesus' name he has promised me something I will not walk around sick and ailed but I know he has promised me healing I will not walk around condemned but he has promised me freedom I will not walk around afraid of every demon in every corner but he has promised me that I have given you authority over all of the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you stand up and do something. That is what God is waiting for often, waiting for us to do something. Now, there is a faith that is the most important faith, and I'll have the worship come back up. There is a faith that without this faith that I'm going to talk about, the whole message is really void. You can't really put any of it into action without the first big step of faith is to take a step of faith into the presence of God to come to Jesus, to repent of your sin and your past, and to come to him and be set free from all of the condemnation, from all of that you have carried. Can we actually stand to our, to our feet? Let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to a close, but I just want to talk about this last step of faith. That is the most important step of faith that you will ever take. You know, all of, like I said, all these messages, it's really void unless you take this step of faith to come to Jesus. Unless you take a step of faith and say, I want to be forgiven of sins. I want to start a relationship with you, God. I want to belong to you. That is the most important step of faith that you will ever take. Faith in Jesus is where the rest of this faith adventure starts. We don't live for miracles. We don't live for what God can do. We don't live for him to do things for us. No, no, no. We don't live for blessings. We don't. That's not our focus. That's a benefit of God. Healing and miracles, excitement, explosion. I don't live for that. I don't live for the for the miraculous signs and wonders. No, I, I preach a full gospel and then those miracles follow me. But the one thing I really want at the end is just a relationship with Jesus and to hopefully take a few people with me when I stand before him. Hopefully not show up empty handed and say, yeah, I'm here, God, but I also brought Jesus in your heart, the Bible says that 
Before I do get off the stage, I'm not going to come back up. I just want to pray. So let's, let's put our hands in front of us. Let's close our eyes and put our hands out like we're receiving a gift from heaven. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I just want to pray for them right now. I know that there are strongholds in this room. I know that there is anxiety. There is fear. There is sickness. But I pray today, Lord, for a stirring of your faith in every heart here. I pray right now that the people in this room, Lord, belong sense, but they will make their decisions based off of a faith that comes 
We don't have to beg for it. If we walk in a fear of who God is, we know that he is bigger. We know that he is greater. We know that what he has done, we know that the same God of Abraham is our God too. And he will do the same miracles for us. It will stir faith in our hearts. I pray all of this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.